On today's episode, Anna shares the story of Christy Sheets, a woman who committed a horrific crime just despite her husband. Welcome to Crime Bar. You know what, Ashley? It's going to be a good day because... But do you want that to be the very first word that is said? No. You know what, Ashley? <laughs> you know what, Ashley? Okay. What's up, Ashley? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good beginning. Thank you. No, I was kidding. Oh. I was like, I thought it was actually very well thought out and good. No, hi. Hello. Hi, How Ashley. You? How are you? I'm good. Um, I got to pet your dog today, so it's going to be a good day. It's funny because I actually went and got a COVID test today before I got here. And like, I'm at the point of lockdown where I sat in the chair for about 10 minutes longer than I needed to, just to be able to chat with somebody. Oh, and it like made me happy. It made me really happy. Where are you getting your test? I only do the drive through. Oh, I, I get out of my car and like sit in the chair. It's the, it's, I'm not going to tell you the cross streets cause I don't need any weirdos knowing where I live. Cause it's very close to my apartment. Oh, but um, it's so funny because I feel like with quarantine, I used to ask like, how are you just to be polite? Yeah. And now I'm like desperately asking anybody just for them to like share any <laughs> bit of their day with me. <laughs> Tell me about your childhood. Yeah, seriously, break it down for me. But um, speaking of, I was gonna say speaking of d- disturbing childhoods, that's a good segue into my story this week. Yeah, what are you doing this week? It's re- It's really... It's really dark. Um, I think especially because I'm going to obviously we'll post photos of um, the murderer and her victims, but it's just something that you would see from the outside and go, that's like a perfect family. They're all so beautiful and, you know, sweet and like very well documented on Facebook. They seem like they have this like perfect, great family. Mm -hmm. And clearly that is not the case. Um, I figured, should I just jump in? Well, what is it? Oh, okay. It's the story of Christy Sheets. Oh, I don't know that at all. That's I've never even heard of it. Buckle Somehow up. you're always picking stories I've never heard of. Because I used to do the thing where I would Google most disturbing murders involving like a cabin in the woods. Like I would do very specific oh. things to like find, you know, different crimes. Mm-hmm. And they're often really well documented because I think a lot of these podcasters are doing that. Oh, yeah. But um, so I just started, I don't know actually even how I found this one. I think it's I don't want to give anything away. It's a very specific Google search that I did that will. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You're going to figure it out. Okay. Pretty quickly. All right. Well, let's start. Okay. So this story takes place on June 24th, 2016. Okay. So pretty recent. Mm-hmm. Well, June 24th, I met you like three months later. <laughs> it's our anniversary. I think our anniversary is like September. September something, 2016. Something, yeah. Yeah, the we first should, day we met. Yeah, we should figure that out so we can start doing anniversary trips. Mm-hmm. Christy Sheets 
her husband, Jason, and their two daughters, Madison and Taylor, lived in a suburb of Houston, Texas called Katie. While the couple's marriage had been falling apart, the two remained supportive and loving parents to their girls. The couple had been married for 20 years, but separated on multiple occasions. Christy had reportedly moved out for a while and then moved back in pretty recently to give things another go. This particular day happened to be especially stressful for multiple reasons. Christy wanted to ground her daughter Taylor so that she couldn't see her fiance. And this seemed absolutely- Wait, how old are these children? Yeah, I'll get into that. So she's 22. <laughs> oh. And this seemed, for that reason, absolutely ridiculous and inappropriate to her husband, Jason. Uh-huh. And a fight- and to everyone else, and to me. And to everyone involved, a fight ensued. And like I said, Taylor is 22 years old and about to marry her long-term boyfriend the following Monday. So Jason didn't see what the big deal was. She's a grown-up. She's getting married to this guy. It's not some random dude. I don't understand the logic here at all. Yeah, there's some control issues that you'll that will yeah. start to unfold. Yeah. And Christy sticks to her guns, demands that Jason says sorry for arguing with her, but he refuses. Yeah. Jason informed Christy that he had finally had enough and that he was filing for divorce. I would also like to mention that this is all going down on Jason's birthday. It's a delightful day. Wow. He told Christy, this would be the last birthday you would ruin. Oh. Ouch, right? Wow. Yeah. Amidst the chaos, Christy decides to call a family meeting that evening. Jason assumed that this meeting was about telling the girls that they were getting a divorce, but he really had no idea. After they all gathered in the living room, Christy pulled out the gun that she had hidden in the couch cushions. As soon as Jason saw the gun, he panicked and started pushing the girls towards their front door. The two daughters called 911 and Jason can be heard pleading for Christy to put the gun down and that he will do whatever she wants. Oh my gosh. According to their neighbor, Madison Davey, Jason begged Christy to just shoot herself and to spare their children. Oh. Yeah, I know. It's pretty brutal. And you can actually hear that in the background of the 911 recordings that I was going to play today. But unfortunately, with like the audio quality slash the like horrific screams, you cannot hear it Mm. very well. So I didn't want, Mm. you know, 911 calls are already very disturbing to have to hear. So, yeah, I was wondering about like, do we want to play those when we... I personally don't like hearing them. And I know that that sounds, it's like there's a detachment with being able to talk about a crime or read about a crime, but hearing the actual victims and like Mm -hmm. the worst moment of their lives, Mm -hmm. it's, I emotionally cannot handle that. Um, So I figured I would just basically put in some quotes of what was overheard versus playing it, you know? Yeah. So he told her, just shoot yourself, make it easy on all of us. Just shoot yourself. Yeah, chills. To which she replied, chills. I know chills. I, I gave myself chills. <laughs> <laughs> to which she replied, No, that's not what this is about. This is about punishing you. She opened fire and began shooting at her family with her five shot, 38 caliber handgun. And were her daughters out of the house by this point? No. So I, th- they were, call- I don't, it's, it's, I mean, 
I wasn't there, so I don't really know all you I know. You weren't there? I wasn't there. Surprise. Um, thank goodness. But just sources say that he sees the gun. They're calling 911. And I think when this is happening, you don't actually think your mother is going to shoot and kill you. I mean, especially what I gathered from later on, I think this was like a little bit of a, a shock to them. Yeah. So I think that they wanted to see how things would play out. Um, you know, I, th I know the father started pushing them towards the front door, but they wanted to call 911 and maybe didn't want to leave their dad. I don't, I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. So Jason, Madison and Taylor sprinted out of the house through the front door and ran into the street. The younger daughter, Madison, just made it through the front door when she was shot and killed. Oh, Christy. How, how old was she? So Madison was 17 years old and okay. Taylor was 22. Okay. Christy shot her other daughter, Taylor, once inside the house before running out of bullets. She went back inside and reloaded her gun, then ran back out into the street and shot Taylor again. Oh, Christy. You she was bitch. shot a total of three times. I know. And, and there's some, I mean, obviously all of this is beyond disturbing, but when I like imagine like a crime of, you know, like temporary insanity when you're shooting at your family, the fact this that she- This is not it. No, she went back into the house and reloaded her gun and then continued and she, to shoot her daughter. And she hid the gun in the couch before this meeting. Like that's- Very calculated. Yeah. Her husband had managed to run away to the end of the cul-de-sac and was not injured. Witnesses heard Christy screaming that she wanted her husband to suffer. One of their neighbors, Sabi Sadique, stated, I just heard a quarrel, a domestic dispute. I didn't want to get involved, but soon afterwards, I heard a gunshot. So I opened up the blinds and I saw a police officer aiming his gun towards somebody and saying, drop your weapon. Oh my God. Can you imagine how scary that would be to look out your window? Horrific. And the police- Also, I'm so nosy that if I heard a domestic oh. dispute, I'd be- watching the whole thing when she said i didn't want to get involved i'm like well <laughs> i hear my neighbors raise their voice anytime and i'm like immediately turn the tv off yeah. so i can overhear it yeah the police arrived on the scene and killed christy with a single shot when she refused to drop the gun her daughter taylor was airlifted to memorial herman hospital where she was pronounced dead oh jason sheets was hospitalized for emotional trauma According to Jason, Christy had plenty of opportunities to turn the gun on him and shoot, yet she chose not to. Oh, so when she said that she wanted him to suffer, it was like, lose your children kind of suffer. Exactly. Like she wanted him to live every single day of the rest of his life thinking about this. Wow. Instead, she chased her daughters down. Her own kids. Mm -hmm. And Jason believes that this is because she knew how much he loved Taylor and Madison and that she wanted him to suffer living the rest of his life with that memory. Wow. So what made this woman snap and attempt to kill every member of her family? Because she is not alive to be interviewed, we will never really know. And everyone seemed to have a very different opinion about Christy and her mental state. Some sources say that this murder shocked almost every human being that knew the family. And that everyone that knew Christy said she lived and breathed for her children, always talking about them and showing off their pictures. She gushed about her children on Facebook. In May of 2013, Taylor wrote a very sweet Facebook post for Christy on Mother's Day. It read, you are one of the strongest people I know, if not the strongest. 
and you've had to overcome so much in your life, but you still manage to love us and put your everything into being a mom. You can't believe everything you read on social media, but I'm sure that there was some truth behind those words, despite the ups and downs that that family had to go through. I mean, ups and downs and all that stuff. It's just, you don't think that your mom's going to kill you. That's not absolutely not. No. And like she, and I'll get a little bit more into that, but you know, she actually, let me just get into that because it's the next thing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was going to explain it, but I, I don't want to repeat it for everybody. Her friend, Catherine Knowles stated, Christy wasn't crazy. I don't know what could have made her snap to do this. It's insanity. I read quote after quote from different individuals saying the exact same thing that yes, she suffered from depression, but never showed any signs of violence. Her depression supposedly began when her mother and grandfather passed away in the same year and her grandpa basically had stepped in and raised her. So she was very, very close to him. So she was seeing a therapist and was taking multiple medications at the time of this murder. Yet other sources state that those close to the family knew that she was mentally ill and in and out of mental hospitals. Oh. Yeah, so the, the sources were very confusing on this yeah, case. Really I had a conflicting. Yeah, everything was basically disputing the other one. Mm. Their neighbor, Madison Davy, described Christy as toxic and mentally unstable, claiming that she always knew something would happen, but just not something like this. Yeah. Not only was Christy's mental health questionable, but she drank heavily and also happened to be very, very passionate about gun ownership, Ugh. which is a very, very bad combination. Mm -hmm. According to NBC News, Jason claimed that she had been denied a license to carry permit due to her mental health issues. And I wasn't able to confirm whether or not this was true, but it said in multiple sources. So we'll just believe Jason on this one. What state was this in? This is happening in Texas. So That's you know that they're passionate about their gun. Yeah, but I didn't know that like you can be denied a license due to your mental health yeah, issues. I didn't yeah, know I didn't that, know that, that either. was a thing anywhere. I know, I was shocked. It should be a thing. Oh yeah, I mean that. <laughs> but, but I, I didn't think know. That's, that's what the argument is. Is I thought that that wasn't a factor anywhere. Yeah, it's something that people are fighting to happen. So yeah. I was shocked when I read that as well, and that's why I was like, I started googling a little bit more on that, and I couldn't. You know, you can't. It's hard to verify. It's it. hard to verify. The oldest daughter, Taylor, had reportedly been very concerned about the firearm her mother kept in the house. Taylor felt very protective over her little sister and hated that she was in the middle of all of the chaos. She was also very anti-gun. Like, she mm -hmm. would post about it on Facebook and her mom and she fought a ton over it. Mm. So just days before the shooting, Taylor opened up to her close friend, Matthew Wiley, about feeling unsafe. She told Matthew, I don't know what's going on with my mom. I feel like I should do something. Maybe tell her to put the gun in a very safe place where she would forget where they are. And I don't know how that would work if she's putting yeah. it there. But yeah. um, she believed that her mother was mentally unstable and she did not feel safe knowing her mother had access to a dangerous weapon. Matthew was very aware of how unhealthy the family dynamic was and said Taylor was always dreading her mother's next outburst. She could never predict when they would happen, but she felt like they had something to do with she and her sister growing up and eventually leaving the house. So I think that made her feel out of control mm -hmm. and I guess mm -hmm. just would make her snap. 
And if you remember, Taylor was planning on going to the courthouse the upcoming Monday to marry her long-term boyfriend, Juan. And even though there's no way of really knowing, this big life change could have triggered her mental break. Yeah. So this Especially is where- if your identity, if your entire identity is- Your children. Your children, and then they leave and you don't have anything- and then it's, your and your I marriage mean, is already on the rocks, yeah. and it's like, who am I going like to be all alone? Yeah, your whole life, as you know, it is changing, and if you're already struggling with mental illness and stuff like that, and you love guns, it's I don't know. Yeah, I guess when you put it together like that, it's easy to see, but when you're in it, you don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. So this is where things get a little confusing because information differed from source to source, and according to multiple sources, Christy had attempted suicide three different times and every time the police were called yet Fort Bend County Sheriff Troy Nels said he didn't know if the mental health calls were about Christy Sheets like they could have been about anyone in the family not necessarily Christy Mm. and there's somehow or for some reason no way to be able to confirm this Mm. and However, the police confirmed that officers had visited the home a total of 14 times since January of 2012. Oh, wow. So that's 14 times in the span of four years that the police needed to go to their home. According to PulseHeadlines.com, on five different occasions, someone had called requesting medical attention. I tried finding information on any of those calls, including the three different suicide attempts, but understandably, the Fort Bend County officers couldn't disclose more details. And obviously, like, I don't know the ins and outs of law enforcement or even the criteria for welfare checks. Yeah. But my brain thinks that if police officers are called to your house 14 times, then like maybe action needs to be taken. Mm-hmm. This is not me blaming like law enforcement specifically, but an intervention or psych evaluation or anything on that might be nice if there are consistent issues within a household. Yeah. Like there had to have been more that could have been done. I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, there's also just people who like fight all the time and it has nothing to do with like yeah. violence. And if, but if medical no- attentions needed on five different occasions, then you would think yeah, maybe someone needs to step in. And but I just- think that's where it like, it boils down to someone pressing charges or not and that's very true someone harmed and and that kind of thing like the police can't just enforce whatever they think is best that's true i mean they're not supposed to at the time of her death christy was unemployed even though her linkedin page still listed her previous job for five months christy had worked as a receptionist for a man named john hollis He said that she was so likable and had this way about her that he believed would make her a great fit for the job. He owned a tattoo removal studio, and it was essentially just the two of them working there together. The change in her disposition happened very quickly. John stated, she had a charm about her. Apparently, that was something that if she wanted to turn it on, she could turn it on. And if turned the other way, it turned the other way. Hmm. John also said that her behavior was erratic and described her mood swings as a series of highs and lows. He would always catch her lying to him. Her story about her relationship and family life was always changing, and he felt like this was a serious red flag. See, that's where it's like, okay, I I get what you were saying about the cops, like, 
you're called to this mm-hmm. place for so many. I, I get your point. Yeah. But this is like someone who has consistent interactions and can identify all of this. That's someone who can report that to the police or that's true or you know inquire about a welfare check or whatever it just like in my head when you know all these people are saying that she's so toxic and mentally unstable and then the cops are coming 14 different times it's like you can't claim that you never saw this coming you know that's not like completely out of the blue to me yeah but at this yeah it's just hard to say like just to play devil's advocate like hindsight's 2020 of course yeah and of course you know there's volatile people toxic people families who fight and call the cops and domestic disputes and all that stuff that doesn't result in murder and then obviously when there's a pattern like this and there's you know people can identify that Mm -hmm. and then it results in murder then yeah I, i mean i get that but like And you can't like as a cop come into a relationship and be like, you guys need to break up. (laughs) Like that's not their job. And I guess that's what I'm like thinking, which is ridiculous. Yeah. So back to um, her previous employer, John Hollis. So on top of all of the red flags and the lying and the erratic mood swings, she was just all around unreliable and would miss work all of the time. Even though she was a part-time receptionist that simply booked appointments and answered calls she listed on her LinkedIn page that she was the business manager. Uh, This really bothered John because it was a flat out lie. Yeah. He kept asking her over and over again to change her job description and she would just ignore his requests. (laughs) She's like, nope. Okay. I'm manager now, John. I don't even know how LinkedIn works. Like, I know I don't have one either, but uh, I don't know. I feel like you would have to like approve. You would think so, that the employer would be like, no, she's actually not CEO. Yeah, yeah. John had finally had enough and fired Christy. She took it surprisingly well and seemed to understand his reasoning. Knowing that he worked so closely with this woman turned murderer deeply disturbs him to this day. He said, everybody is making an assumption that I knew her. And in reality, nobody knew her. Her family didn't know her. Nobody knew her because what she was and the reality of what she presented herself to be were two different things. Mm -hmm. This devastating murder has left so many people shaken and confused. What happened to Christy Sheets that day to make her snap? We may never know who the real Christy was and why she wanted to inflict so much pain on her husband. Unfortunately, Christy accomplished exactly what she aimed to do. She has made Jason Sheets suffer. And I just wanted to end this episode talking a little bit about the victims, Madison and Taylor. Madison was 17 years old at the time of her death. She was going into her senior year of high school. She was a member of the National Honor Society and always made time to volunteer. She is said to have been kind, loyal, funny, and intelligent. Whenever family came to visit, she would love waking up early and cooking breakfast for them because it was just something that she absolutely loved to do. She was obsessed with cooking. Taylor, so sweet. I know you can tell that she was just like a natural caretaker with like a huge heart. Yeah. Taylor was 22 at the time of her death. She graduated cum laude from Lone Star College where she made the dean's list and president's list multiple times. So she was a smarty pants. She enrolled Smarter than us. Yes, exactly. She enrolled at the University of Houston to pursue a career in medical diagnostic sonogra- sonography. 
I don't even pronounce that. So she's clearly smarter than yeah. I am. Yeah. She was said to have been loving, caring, and wonderful with children. And they were, everyone said that both of them were the best babysitters, that their kids Aww. loved them. She was an incredible artist and could duplicate any picture that you showed her. Oh, wow. Two wonderful women that were taken from this world too soon. Rest in peace, Madison and Taylor Sheets. And that is the story of Christy Sheets. You did a really good job. That uh, It's so disturbing. It's so sad. That whole thing of like you never really know the person you live with comes yeah. into play with this. Yeah. That's horrifying. And I don't even know if this is worth mentioning, but I like I went down like the rabbit, the rabbit. I can't even speak. <laughs> <laughs> I've spoken too much for my day. I did my allotted amount of talking. Um, I went down the Reddit rabbit hole. And obviously these are not like reliable psychologists. So I don't know if it's even really worth saying, but a lot there's a lot of debate about whether or not she was actually bipolar. I mean, it kind of, based it seems off just like her it. employer, that guy, the tattoo removal guy, mm -hmm. it, just based off that alone, it sounds like she probably was. Absolutely. And like, it didn't seem, you know, cause you can have bipolar depression. So, you know, she was diagnosed with depression, but with just the outbursts that her like kids feared her having and they were yeah. so unpredictable and yeah. didn't really seem to be triggered by something specific. Yeah. It's too bad because that, you know. That's what I thought of when you were saying that. Mm -hmm. I was thinking it's it sounds so bipolar. The series of highs and lows. Yeah. Exactly. I feel like that's like a, like the most distinguishable characteristic of being bipolar. Mm -hmm. So it's very sad and we'll never know. And, you know, we'll never know what she was discussing with the therapist at the time of her death and just a lot. But thanks for listening <laughs> <laughs> to this very sad story. And uh, you promised me avocado toast. So, uh. All right, we can. You gonna whip can. that up for me? All right, sure. All right, have a great day, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> bye. I'm gonna go eat. <laughs> okay, love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you enjoy listening. We owe everything to the many journalists, authors, filmmakers, psychiatrists, and psychologists whose extensive work and expertise we pulled from to share this episode with you. For all of our detailed source material, please visit our website, thecrimebarpodcast.com. If you'd like to see content from today, you can find us on Instagram and YouTube at Crime Bar Podcast. We really love doing this show, and if you'd like to help the continued creation of it, you can support by donating to our Patreon, which we have linked on our website as well as our Instagram, patreon.com slash crimebarpodcast. This episode was hosted by Ashley Brumley-Johnson and Anna Katharina. We'll see you next week. <laughs>